When we are trying to control life, we are removed from our inner presence and we act in ways that separate us from others and solidify the old negative beliefs we often carry about not being good enough. From this place of doubt, we may seek power. We may try to control ourselves, our lives, others, and often we run from hard things inside of us that hurt. We may often feel that we live life on the hamster wheel, constantly running, never truly connected to ourselves and to the world. But what if we were a heart that is ready for anything? What if we reconnected to our true nature, our inner wild wisdom and universal glow of love and creativity? This could be called empowered spirituality to live a life where we feel an inner empowerment to be free to respond to life with a heart that is ready for anything. My guest today, I'm honored to welcome. Her name is Deb Matlock. Um, we are here, we're gonna talk together and introduce her and talk about how, or we're gonna talk about our inner wildness and how that relates to empowered spirituality and our connection to all of life. So welcome to Om Your Power, a podcast brought to you by Soul Centered. Soul Centered is a spiritual center for anyone seeking meaning, purpose, and healing in the afternoon of life in midlife and beyond. We provide healing and guidance services to anyone seeking to make the shift from a self-centered to a soul-centered life at, the, at midlife and beyond. My name is Ariella Halevi. I am the co-founder of Soul Centered and your healer in the afternoon of life. And I guide women to heal their past so they can live in the present with ease and flow and manifest a bright future for themselves and their world. So welcome, Deb. I just want to welcome you here before I talk about your bio. I just want to say how nice it is to hear you. And I'm excited for our talk today about this inner rewilding. I am as well. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to this too. Wonderful. Wonderful. So let's get to know Deb. Deb Matlock grew up in the mountains of Colorado, which is my very favorite place, and is deeply committed to nurturing the connection between people, animals, earth, and spirit. She has spent 25 years working as a professional environmental and human educator and naturalist. Additionally, through her business, Wild Rhythms, Deb offers shamanic style, spiritual guidance, animal communication, and sacred nature connection workshops and retreats. She's passionate about helping people find connection and deep spiritual meaning in their lives and in the places where they live. Deb also enjoys the academic realm and holds a master's of arts in environmental education from Prescott College and is pursuing her doctoral degree in environmental studies at Antioch University, New England. Deb's personal mission is to help others explore the wildness within themselves, as well as their love and connection to their amazing world around us. She is dedicated to working in service to the wild spirit that lives within all and extending the idea of community to include humans and non-humans as well. So again, I'm so happy to have you here, Deb. And um, I, we don't know each other that well, but I feel this fast deep connection. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear your story. If we could start, maybe just tell, tell us who you are, why you do the work you do, how you came about it personally, and how that, how your personal story comes out in your professional world. 
Excellent. Yeah. What a, um, a lovely question, I think, to, to reflect on. I have to say that my personal journey in all of this started way back. I was probably about, I don't know, nine months, <laughs> 10 months, one years old. My very first best friend was our family dog, and her name was Jenny. And I grew up where there weren't other kids around, and I was an only child at the time. And so she was my she was my playmate. She was my 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 life during all day long. Every day she would sleep with me. She would babysit me out in the front. You know, if I started walking towards the street, she would kind of herd me back towards the house. She was a collie. So, you know, that's what they, but um, I think what that started off for me was really starting to understand the world as, as not only human. And so for, for me, when I look back and think of that relationship and then where I've gone since then, you know, my connection to the natural world and growing up with outdoors as a huge part of my life, but also animals as a huge part of my life. And they still are. I've got a house full of, of rescue dogs and cats right now. Um, I have to look back to those, those beginning foundational times. And I, I, you know, I would, I would be surprised if that wasn't a big part of it. Um, And where that's kind of gone is it's taken me, you know, through my childhood, I also experienced, uh, what I would call now animal communication and all this kind of uh, interaction and reciprocating of engagement with the world around me. And I didn't think anything of it. And so it was just what was normal to me. And then as I got older into my teens and twenties, of course, then the teenage years and the social pressures took over and I tried to shut all these things down. I tried to deny it all because I thought, okay, this is obviously not okay. But the experiences continued and, and my valuation of them got to the point that I couldn't deny it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had to sort of say, okay, maybe, maybe this is actually what's okay. <laughs> and what's not okay is to say that this stuff isn't really, you know, valuable in our lives. Mm-hmm. So amazing. I think it's, first of all, I love the story. There's so many things in here already that I, I have like, you know, I feel lit up. I love the story that your first person was your animal. Your first gift was your dog that kind of steered you in the direction of animal communication and the nature and wildness inside. Um, I also had a dog, similar uh, similar experience. I was convinced that if you unzipped him, there would be a person inside. And I used oh. to tell him, and I was I wasn't so young, <laughs> but I, I always said, you know, if you unzip him there's really a person there because I could, it's interesting. And maybe we would talk about it at some point in our conversation. The communication is so different for, from animals to human and human to animals. And there's so many different ways as, as you've experienced and teach to talk to the animals and help them talk to you. Um, Does animal communication form a large part of what you do with, with people in your practice? I would say it does. I have some some people that I work with where what they're coming for is animal communication work and we'll do a session with their dog or their horse or their parrot, you know. Um, I also work a lot with people more intensively who are, are looking to integrate that into their own lives to sort of further nurture their own unique abilities and, and ways of doing that. As you mentioned, there are so many ways. And I think it's really important for us to realize that that communication is this ongoing dynamic dance it's not just telepathic or just you know there's not just one way to do it and um 
a lot of folks that I work with are looking to develop that further with the natural world, with the wild nature, with their animal companions, you know, as part of their own practice or their spiritual journey um, or their work, you know, wherever they're planning to put it. But it is a big part. And it's a big part of my heart. I feel like that, you know, really extending that sense of community, really including all the beings with us, it would mean that we would be engaging in some sort of communicative way, uh, which why not? I mean, it makes so much sense. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think it's really hard for people that don't, um, that, you know, the majority of the world sees the world in one way. What you see is what you get. What you see with your own eyes is what's truth, is what's here. Yeah. And then so it, it feels like the way that you work with people is so much more, if maybe you could talk to this idea of, like you said, there was this connection between you and the animal and between you and the dog and, and this idea that nature and all the ways that you grew up was maybe that was the quote unquote right way. Maybe that was the larger world instead of what you see is what you get. How would you help? How do you help women that are struggling with this idea of finding that, I guess I, I would call it that inner voice. How would you, how do you help them find that self-assuredness, even when the world says that's not right or you're crazy? Oh, I love that question. And, and that's such an important question because everybody that I've worked with myself included, I spent, I spent years asking that question mm -hmm. and trying to create an answer that I could live with within my cultural framework and familial framework, you know, that made sense and didn't cause me to feel vulnerable or, on the edge of what I was comfortable with. And I think, you know, the, the way that I found for myself and the way that I encourage others is, is start tracking experiences. Even if you're laughing at yourself, you know, you think you talked to the Robin on the way to the mailbox, you know, if it felt real, take a moment, enjoy it, act as if it was, well, hello, Robin, how are you today? I'm just grabbing my mail, you know, spend a minute, hang out and then go back and, and either record it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, some, some people, um, like to keep a journal and, and it doesn't have to be elaborate. It could be a sentence or two, you know, March 23rd, I went to mailbox, had a lovely conversation with Robin period no, notebook back in the kitchen drawer, you know, but then what, what we do is we collect a, a path. We collect a, you know, a diary of our own experience because I'm utterly convinced that no matter what our experience is our ultimate teacher. You know, we can go to workshops, we can read books, we can, we can do things and that can be very helpful. And it certainly can, you know, provide us with things. But at the end of the day, it's our experience with, with ourselves and the world around us and our sense of spirituality. That's what's going to matter. So tracking our experiences. And then over time, we might say, you know what? I've had so many times where I feel like I'm talking with that Robin that maybe it's time for me to stop saying I'm not. <laughs> Mm -hmm. oh. um, and so that's one way. And the other way is to know that there is, this is going to get um, philosophical in a way, but there's, there's a reason on an institutional level, a global level for us to not trust like these deeper engagements, you know, because it will mean we have to shift some of the ways we behave and some of the systems and some of the ways that we, we function as a human society. And, and those are all challenging. And we've seen this last year with, with a pandemic that these systems are very vulnerable 
mm-hmm. and that they can be changed, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the change is comfortable on a, a mass scale. So right. we also have to know there's voices that we probably have all heard, at least in Western culture, all of our life telling us why we shouldn't honor these experiences. I think what you're hitting is hitting on is not only the outer world saying, you know, you can't do this, or this isn't the way things are done, but it's that inner doubt, that yeah. inner critic that also says, well, if I'm talking to a bird and nobody else around me is talking to a bird, then I'm crazy. And if I tell somebody I'm talking to a yeah. bird or a dog or, yeah. or listening to my intuition and people don't agree with it, then what does that mean for me? And, you know, it's funny, just as a side point, I was um, walking my dog two days ago and I was thinking about my grandmother who passed away almost exactly a year ago. And I was thinking about her and just bringing her up in my head. And she was, she was in love with birds. I have all of her birds sitting here next to me right now. And I was thinking about her and all of a sudden this enormous, I don't know what it was. It looked like a hawk or something was literally in front of me when I was walking, he was sitting on a signpost and he just stared at me. And it was one of those moments when I was talking to a bird and, and I had just thought of my grandmother and I could feel that it was all connected, but do you go out and do you express that to the world? And I think it's an interesting thing. Like, you know, maybe I could bring in some a, a term that you use empowered spirituality. Like how do we find our voice? you know, or something that I said in the beginning, a living a heart, living with a heart wide open, living with our hearts open. How do we find our empowered spirituality when it's not, it's not always socially acceptable when we have our socially, you know, our expectations out in the world, but also that inner critic inside. Yeah, that, that is, that is the, uh, the $10 million question, because I think part of, at least for myself, I could say part of my own spiritual journey has been coming to the place where I acknowledge those other voices. I acknowledge that inner critic and I say, okay, you know what? I, that's not where it's going to come from anymore. You know, I'm aware of the thing. I'm aware of the positives in the cultural voice. There's some great opportunities and things, you know, it's not all bad, you know, it's not like it's this evil thing, but it's more about integrating into what, what rests in our hearts and in our souls and feels true, mm-hmm. you know, and somebody might not feel truth of walking in a forest and talking to the trees. They might feel a different truth. They might feel like that's how they're talking to their idea of, of God or spirit. And that's all their truth. You know, it's what it is about is just saying, okay, what is, what is it that actually feels good to me? if I didn't have to share it with anybody. Mm-hmm. And then from that place, we can choose who do I share with, when, right. you know? I mean, there are certainly um, times and places where it's, it's easier than others. There are people, and, and I, would, I would presume all of our lives that are not the people we go to with our conversations about our deep spiritual experiences. And then there's people that we do go to you know, but the thing with all that is I think it's just, if we know it in our heart to be our own truth by letting ourselves be open, like you said, the heart that's open for anything, just being curious about what is it that really stirs us, what really lights us up and, and knowing that there's going to be potentially a vulnerability that goes with that, maybe some fear, you know, um, especially if that is pulling us off of a path that maybe we've been taught is the right one for us, or that's very comfortable for us. Um, but then if we, if we know that is coming from that place, somebody else doesn't like it. Okay. 
right. That's a little awkward conversation, but that doesn't mean I'm going to suddenly not honor my own experience. It might mean I'm not sharing with this person anymore, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, Um, I think what you're hitting on is this idea that, you know, as you find that inner empowered spirituality, your life does shift. And and I always see it as like, in some ways, you have to say no in order for more of the yes to come in. And, and what you're saying is, yeah, you're going to make some shifts. Maybe you don't express yourself to these people like you used to in order to make more room for that deeper sense of spirituality and to attract those people that say yes to you, even when they may not understand it, they still say yes, because this this is your version of your empowered spirituality it may not be theirs, but they're supportive and it may cause a life shift when you're in that. Yeah. I think that's often the case, whether it's a, a shift that we feel in sense, but maybe the world around us doesn't notice, or it may be a shift that is, is very noticeable to the world around us, you know, but wherever that process goes, I think that's where sometimes the fear and apprehension can come in is because we, we might start to feel a shift happening yeah. And it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to go there. I mean, I have been there. I, you know, I did not want to come out publicly with the work that I do for a very long time. I was afraid. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of criticism. I was afraid of being vulnerable. I was afraid of sharing a very personal part of my own life. And, you know, it took my time and process to get there. It wasn't, you know, on a dime. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I took the time because now I do feel like I have uh, the ability to talk more clearly, to deal with people who, you know, don't agree, you know, with, with grace, as opposed to feeling personal and and attacked. And, um, I think if I had done things too quickly, you know, I might've jumped over the, the developmental process of getting myself ready. So that's the other thing I would encourage people is to say, you know, our rhythm, our timing is, Mm -hmm. it is wild and it is ours and it, somebody might be ready to make a big shift overnight and and that might be right for them. And somebody else, it might take, you know, 15 or 20 years of them being on their own personal journey, but there's no right or wrong. I don't think. I I think it's living that question of what's in my heart. You know, what is that? What is my voice and what feels true? I mean, I think if we live that question, the journey can look a thousand ways. Absolutely. So how can our connection, you know, you talked a lot about animal connection and your experience in nature. How can those two things specifically teach us about our own inner wild nature, our own inner spirituality? Like how can we use those things to open us up more? I think especially, can I just add, I was thinking, you know, because we've been in our homes for a year and a lot of us feel so cooped up and we feel like we, I mean, we need, we need that rhythm of nature. So how would you help someone that really wants to connect to using animals and nature to open to that? Yeah, I think the first thing is for us to just say, you know, we are nature. And so we, we've been cooped up and maybe we haven't been able to travel the way we wanted to or go to the places we planned or, or maybe like here in Colorado, our favorite trailhead is suddenly really, really crowded and you can't even find a place to park, you know. Um, but it's because we are nature and, and there's no way to, I don't, you know, separation from nature is a perception, not a reality. 
And so when I talk about nature connection, I'm really talking about the perception, the awareness of it. But, you know, every single time we take a sip of water or a bite of food, even if we're locked in our little tiny apartment, you know, 15 stories off the ground in the middle of a pandemic, you know, these are deep moments that if we just let ourselves be aware for a second, you know, we're taking the earth, the air, the water into our bodies every day. Those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to do that. And that is what is required for sustaining our life, you know, our ability to be part of this natural world. And to me, those kinds of awareness, those moments, um, whether they're inside or out, you know, in my own experience of my spiritual path, that's where I find my questions of the bigger mystery of, of why am I here and how do I fit in and what is the meaning of life and death and, and all these reciprocal processes that happen, you know, why does there the sun and the earth and the seasons like this is all such an amazing and magical mystery that it's hard for me to feel in those spaces without moving into the place of those bigger questions of you know what is the purpose of our lives and how do we how do we live into that mystery without going you know overboard to where we can't function but also living in the place where that question keeps pulling us um i think what I feel like you're tapping into is this idea of how do we create our own personal relationship with, yes, nature and animals, but that deeper sense of asking, who am I? Why am I here? Is this connection to something greater than us? And, you know, this, this deep connection to, to the land, to people, but also to spirit. Some people call that mother earth. Some people call it source. I mean, maybe we could kind of go in that because I think it's a really hard thing for people to sometimes grasp this idea of our connection to source, to remember that we are our own inner wild nature and how to, how do we cultivate that connection day to day to spirit, to source so that we can remember when we are going through tough times that there is something out there holding us. Oh yeah, what a beautiful question and and such a relevant one, especially with the year we've all just been through. Um, let me start with a quick story about that. I, I was leading a hike about 20 years ago. It was a public program. It was not part of a, a spiritual program that I was running. It was on the natural history of black bears. And we were just talking about all the things humans and bears have in common. You know, it was, I, I thought it was a pretty innocent <laughs> spiritually benign program, but I, I learned a lot that day. And I turned around and a, a woman, I had passed around an artificial bear skull and we had talked about how the teeth match our teeth. And I had everybody run their tongue across their teeth. And I turned around, this woman is in tears. And I said, oh my gosh, are you okay? I thought maybe she had gotten stung by a bee. And she said she has never felt so much of a connection for a being that wasn't another human. Yeah. And as she was standing there, she said, and it's, it's making me ask, all of a sudden, she's like, I am wondering, what does it even mean to be human? And what, what is my role on behalf of the rest of this world? And I remember standing there as a very young naturalist going, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And also, oh, my gosh, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you know, because there's this poor woman right. in tears. But what I realize is if we, if we just let ourselves be open to the curiosity of who we're living around, you know, who's right outside our front door? Is it an ant? Is it a bird? Is it a plant? You know, a dandelion and a crack in a sidewalk. Pretty darn amazing, if you want my opinion, you know. 
letting ourselves be open and just, you know, what do I have in common with this being? You know, here we are on this big planet in this big universe, but we're right here together. You know, me and this dandelion who's right outside the door, you know, where I parked my car. Why are we here together? And and what do we share? What do we have in common? And I think that that question can be a great, easy starting place to kind of let our minds start to go. You know, what do I have in common with the ants on my back porch? Instead of hating them and wanting them gone, why don't I sit with them a little bit? watch them get curious and say how are we alike interesting so how does that come into play for you personally in your relationship to spirit using this idea even of a small ant like how does that how does that look what does that look like in your or either in your life and or in the ways that you help other people connect to their spirit uh, I think, you know, for me, um, a lot of where I have in my own journey asked the questions of those big spiritual life questions have been in my relationship with the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was kind of a just it's where my path took me. You know, I was raised in a church and there were some beautiful things about that. But I also remember one day where they were building a new church and I was watching them plow over this beautiful field of flowers. And I was really worried about all the mice that lived in the field. And I was about seven. You know, like I realized at that moment that, that where my, where my sense of it was, was not going to be indoors. And that's just for whatever reason, that's the path that I came here with. But what I find with the questions like you asked um, is when I ask myself, what do I have in common with these ants or how can I be of service to the, the local, um, you know, nature preserve in my community, or how can I do this? I feel like it puts me right in the middle of that mystery of saying I'm honoring life and I'm honoring that I'm a a very um, mortal and humble part of it. Hmm. And to me, that hooks right into, you know, my sense of spirituality and my sense of purpose and, and my desire to deepen my own understanding of what it means to be on this earth as a, as a physical and spiritual being at the same time, you know, I I feel like I don't want to miss it while I'm here. I don't want to miss appreciating and and being in awe and also serving, you know, so that, that I can hopefully do something positive and before my time is done, but, but it's, I feel like I'm talking in a little bit of a circle, but it's more like a humbleness in front of all this big mystery of all of life and all the different ways life manifests. And yet what we all have in common is that our life ends. And to me, it's like, I'm in the same spiritual dance with that aunt. And if I were to think I was cooler than that aunt, I am missing something, mm-hmm. you know, because we're living in the same existential world. Right. And to me, that just, it humbles me and it opens my heart and it, it excites me because what all is there to explore and how can we get to know that even more deeply? And then how does that impact the way that we act in the world and the work that we create and, you know, what our authentic way of being is. Um, I, I love it because what you've done is you've taken it from the personal relationship to you and spirit to this connection to the to nature and to the to the animals as all you know we are all connected we are all one and then you reach out and you say we're going to go further and we're going to go into service and how can our personal and i think that's a really important 
distinction. It's not only just about your, and I always try and teach this to my kids. You know, it's not just about how you feel or who you are right here now. It's your connection to something greater and it's your connection to people and animals. And then what will you do with that connection once you're there? And I, I do, I like that you touch on this. Like, so what will you do with that one great, this one great life, you know, uh, to be of service. And that's really what kind of coming full circle with what you talked about in terms of finding your sole purpose, you know, yeah. I think maybe being of service is, is like really taking that connection and, and going out and doing spirit's will and opening that heart full of life. Yeah. And I think that's where, that's where in my mind, that's where the spiritual work, you know, it can very much be about personal healing and personal discovery. And those are incredibly important things, but it's where we take that work to the next level, that it's not just self-serving, but it is, it is a place of, um, I think it also extends that spiritual process because I think, you know, at least I know for myself when I, when I'm doing the work for the world around me that I feel called to do, it's, it is rewarding. So I, I love it. And I'm also, I'm not going to lie. It also really feels right. You know, that does something. And I think the important thing for people to think about there is that there's also no right or wrong way for that to manifest. You know, somebody may go out and do some big, massive global movement, and it might be that's where their service is. Somebody else might decide to turn a corner of their yard into a native pollinator garden and, and really nurture that with love. And that's where their service is. And I think it's important that the size and the scope isn't what's important. It's important that it comes from our heart and our soul and that we commit ourselves to it. Very, very true. Yeah. You know, so not to be overwhelmed by, oh, well, I've got to go change the world. No, maybe it's, maybe it's the corner of the yard, you know, like, you know, or, or maybe it's working with your child in a certain way during a certain time. And I mean, like, I don't think there's a wrong way. And I've definitely met people who get very uh, intimidated by, well, I can't, I can't quite envision a big movement. And it's like, well, maybe that isn't your calling Mm -hmm. because the small movements are so important too. Well, and yeah, I was just going to say the small movements lead to the bigger movements in time. And maybe your life purpose for the first, you know, between ages 30 and 40 was to raise your children. And maybe that was your, or, you know, it never ends, but maybe that is your, your immense life purpose during these chunks of time. And then your life shifts. And so you're growing your small garden and then you get to spend more time in nature in a different phase of life. And you do bigger things as it's the ebb and flow. Um, I think it's beautiful that you can have your small garden outside and that can change your world. Last, I was, it reminds me last summer, we were, you know, cooped up in our house. And even though it was summer, we were just, you know, as you know, in quarantine and it was very hard. And I said to the kids and my husband, I said, I need some help. Cause we're going to, we're going to build a garden. And, <laughs> and we have a very small space and our backyard is pretty small and everyone pitched in. They weren't so thrilled, but everyone, everyone pitched in. And for me, it was this deep, um, message. It was like a, taking a stand that, that I said to the universe, nature is important to me. Even if I'm looking at a backyard that doesn't have a lot of nature, I will create it in that small space that I have. And I think that is the beautiful message that you're sending our listeners today is like, start with your small space. 
Well, and if everybody starts with whatever their small space is, whether it's a garden or a, you know, way of or buying food or whatever, that is a bigger movement than any, you know, big movement that, you know, if, if as many people as possible were doing their small space, mm-hmm. whatever that is, metaphorically or physically, you know, what kind of world do we have? And if it's coming from our impassioned, empowered spiritual awareness where we're really acting authentically in a way that, that feels really true to us, oh my gosh, what kind of world do we have? I mean, to me, that's just, I don't even think of it as an idyllic vision. I think of it as truly possible. And I feel like we're seeing it happening, you know, and what, what's gone on in the last year with, with what people have done in their communities and for each other and for the you know, it's hard not to say, okay, all right, I'm going to pretend like I can't, I'm going to put the anxiety aside. I'm just going to say, all right, this is, we all have a role to play, you know, and it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of, to summarize, you know, we, we touched on so many different things today, but I think especially for the listener that is really caught up in this, I mean, we are, are we ending COVID? I I have no idea, (laughs) (laughs) but I know that there's been a lot of, a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions and a lot of feeling of being trapped and a lot of just so much turmoil that has shifted our world on so many levels. If you could give us a few daily practices to calm down and how to kind of rise above this COVID anxiety, um, what, what would be your go-to tools? Yeah, a couple of, of things come to mind, and, and they're both really simple. They don't take hours of commitment for all of us who don't have that every day. Um, I know I don't. One of the things I do before I get out of bed, and I, I'm talking a minute or two, mm-hmm. so I just take a deep breath and I just open my mind to, to you know, I call living spirit, but it could be somebody calling God or source, like you said, or what have you. And I just say, please, if there's anything I need to be aware of for today, can you either tell me or can I feel it? Can I sense it somehow? Just so I, if there's something I'm supposed to focus on, because once I get out of bed, I've got six animals that need breakfast and piles of emails. And we all know the story, right? I, I don't live a life that is a morning of quietness every day. So <laughs> a couple of minutes just allows me to get out of bed before I interact with the rest of the beings in my life, just a little bit centered. And the other one that we touched on a little bit is, is to go outside wherever you live, just step out your door or your apartment building or your office and just say, who's here right now? And just notice, is there a tree in the sidewalk that you've walked past a thousand times, but today you're noticing the leaves are flickering a little bit in the wind, or there's a little bird in the tree, you know, or are you, you're in your, you've got a garden and you notice oh, there's a new bulb coming out of the ground that wasn't there. I didn't notice yesterday. This can take 30 seconds or hours, but it can just, again, it kind of grounds us. And I think it helps us locate ourselves within this vast dance of life. And it helps us pull away from our own drama and our own um, responsibilities, which of course are very real, but reminding us that, that that's not all there is. I think what, what you hit on is so beautiful. It's finding that stillness, that quietness within the chaos. And when you can see the cracks in the sidewalk and the small minute things, your, your, your life grows in so many different ways. So beautiful. 
Um, yeah. And especially, you know, I think about walking down a path you always walk on, you know, maybe you walk the dogs and I always walk my dog. He's very, he's, he's like ritualized. Like if you go a different way, he stops and he makes you go the way we went yesterday. He's got this whole thing going on. And I did it like the other day. Oh, and he's looking at me the other day. We, we went the same way. And I, I went that way. I was like, okay, we'll go your way. And I looked down and embedded in the dirt where I always look, I just was going a little slower, was a bracelet with like a red string. And in Kabbalah, it's, um, there was also like this little eye in the middle of the bracelet with, it's a blue eye, it's, it's, it's a protection. It's a bracelet for protection in, in the Jewish tradition. Had I, had I gone the other way, had I went faster, had I been annoyed with my dog, I wouldn't have seen this gift embedded in the dirt. So I love what you said. Like if you're feeling in turmoil, go outside and, and find the small things or ask spirit, what is it that I can do today? How do, how can I feel you more? How can you guide me more? It's very beautiful. Um, you just have such a, I wish our listeners could see your, I mean, I know they can feel your essence, but you have this beautiful way about you that is so strong yet soft. Um, I think it's your wild nature. <laughs> <laughs> Those are very kind words. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like chaotic and yeah. <laughs> so I just want to thank you so much for your words of wisdom and for uh, what I think is showing um, our listeners a different way to see the world with different eyes, you know, with, with the eyes of wisdom. So I, I appreciate that. Can you let us know um, how to find you on the, sure. your website, everything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you go to my website, it's wild-rhythms.com. And from there, you can find my social media and email list and my contact form. And I'm always happy to chat with people. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I really love hearing from folks and mm -hmm. I'm very much welcome that. So yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody if you want to talk further about any of all this. So <laughs> that's great. Great. Thank you so much, Deb. And thank you to all our listeners listening today. And if you have liked what you heard today, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star rating and a review and share with your friends. If you'd like to hear more podcasts, um, I am doing a wonderful women's series. Uh, it's called Your Soul Healing. And you can find that on our website, www.mysoulcentereded.org. And you can find out more there. Until next time, we wish you a beautiful, beautiful day, a beautiful week, and a heartfelt namaste.